0: exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories, their stories of resilience, overcoming how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. My guest today is actually an old friend. And I remember the first time you and I had a conversation.
1: When was this?
0: So (laughs) I was on a walk and you (laughs) called me and I was walking around my local lake and I was like, I love this woman.
1: Okay. I do remember this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't even in person. And I was like, I love her. And we, you were considering joining my makeup team at the time. And I'll let you share why, you know, whatever circumstances you want to share. Cause I, we, I know too much about you. So I can almost just talk for an hour about you, but you may not want all of that out there.
1: (laughs) I'm an open book.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, Um, Okay. So go ahead and kind of introduce yourselves to introduce yourself to my listeners. And then we're just going to have another, another great conversation. Like we always do. Okay.
1: Um, I am Lindsay Jones. Um, I've gone through a divorce. Um, I have, I had six kids um, when I met this wonderful man who had five other children. And then we had one more. So that brings us up to a even dozen, and it's a lot of love and chaos, and yeah. And
0: following I mean, you on social media, it's like if you thought your day was crazy, and and I want to make sure that people understand that you don't say it like "oh, woe is me" at all. You yeah. know, you love having these kids, but when I'll I'll be like, "Man, I had a crazy day." Then I think of you'll sure show pictures of um, Easter, and yeah. you know, twelve Easter baskets, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah," or making lunches and there's you know 12 lunches all in a row and it's like I don't even make lunch for my one child that's at home well, still.
1: as they get older they're more self-sufficient and there's a
0: huge difference there well I was like if you want lunch make it yourself I like literally when they were like in the fifth grade and they were saying yeah I want you know to eat something different I'm like great make it And it's amazing to do that. I had a few kids
1: do 4-H and things like that. And it helps so much, but you always incorporate them into it, but sometimes they all want something different. And you're like, that's not going to fly with 14 people. No, (laughs) we're all going to eat the same thing tonight.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. And my kids ate salad when they were little because I did not cater to them except for getting those dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets because- those are fantastic. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're dinosaur shaped. I mean, really yeah, marketing. Yeah, dinosaurs. We love dinosaurs here. Yeah. I I mean, even even little girls, you know, stereotypically you think of it being like a boy thing, but oh, I, I love them. And little oh, little yeah. cheese, little cheese strips and dinosaur nuggets and some barbecue sauce. That's a good lunch. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. more interesting things. Um, where do you want to go? What do you want to talk about? Because I know all the stories, so I don't want to introduce a topic and then you'd be like, No, Lita, we're not gonna talk about
1: that. I love the idea of talking about how amazing
0: our roles are with our families. Yes, in fact, that was one of the I'm sorry, now I remember that was one of the things I was like, please come on and talk about this. And you're you have pursued an education, you have worked. And um, do you still work for money out of the home? I do not. Um, yeah, right it's, now it's, it's all, I'll,
1: yeah. yeah, I'll focus on 12 with the toddler. It's all out, but we hope I'll probably work eventually. Yeah. But right now I'm really needed in the home. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah. If you did work, I would be like, when do you sleep? Um, yeah. But you put up a great post about family. And yeah. the roles, and I personally have always felt like uh, not only is this important, but this is essential for young girls, especially, to understand because the role of men has not altered as dramatically as it has for women, so and and it's really hard for girls to filter through. What's valuable? What's not? Am I oppressed if I'm doing dishes? You know these kinds of things. So, right. share okay. share a little bit about that post. You go for
1: it. So, uh, on social media, you're bombarded by so many people who say, like, if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you value family, that you're not enough, and that's just simply not true. Um, I remember as a young mother, I really struggled with it because so many were accomplishing all these big great flashy things and I was at home and I was having a lot of babies and that's what a lot of people want and but they also
0: know your husband then yeah is it okay for me to say was not comfortable with the concept of you working yeah reflect on him is that okay for me to say publicly yeah um I was off frequently told things like
1: I would never earn as much as he would, so I would need it my best place was in the home, and I agreed with it to a point where I knew I needed to be the children needed me, um but at the same time, you just we can do whatever we'd like, but it all comes back to ultimately what's best for family. um and sometimes that is working, and sometimes. But it all it all leads back, no matter what we do, it all leads back to the home, being the most critical, and the families being the most critical thing we need to focus on in raising. Um,
0: and it's almost like with you and your story and your story arch, which I feel incredibly honored that I've been able to kind of, you know, that first conversation of talking with you and you being very hesitant, to displease your husband, we could yeah. say Lindsay of that time would fall stereotypically within this category of, you know, your places in the home, like a religious ideal, when the irony being, and I can only speak for the religion that you and I are in, yeah, um, which is common, has always said women get an education, women have skills, but yes. it's like it's twisted to being this all or nothing on both sides of this paradigm. Yeah. You know, that if you're really empowered, you have all the sexual partners you want, you have a powerful job, and you yes. have no children to hold you down and, you know, you can go and travel and do whatever you want. And there's great things about that life. To the extreme over here of your place is in the home and your husband is you're there to serve and take care of and rub his feet when he gets home kind of uh which isn't true. Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, you take these two extremes and these two camps don't really have the ability to talk, but you have been able to experience all of them Mm -hmm. and in an extreme with having 12 kids. Yeah. In an extreme. So, but I
1: didn't start with the 12. Right. Um, Right. Way back when I, you know, you start with one, some people start with, have two or multiples, but I started one at a time on that. And at first I did work, I had a good job. And then, um, the month before I had my oldest, he, um, I was actually laid off.
0: Um, mm-hmm. it
1: was a company that, that it was a technology company. It was common to te- have. And so then it was like, okay, so <laughs> now what? So it's like, okay, I'm home. And at that time, uh, my former spouse was like, your place is here. It's okay to be here. I'll take over. Um, as we continued on in that path, it wasn't enough. It wasn't making what we needed, and so I would. I'm like, "Okay, hey, what can I do?" And then I was repeatedly told, "No, I'll make better money. You stay home with the kids." And I'm like, "How about I finish? Start by finishing my my degree at least." I had, um, again, the month before giving birth to my oldest paused my degree and I was really close to my my associates and I was like how about I I at least go back and it was you can do that when the kids are older um it, it's just not rational for you to finish in what you're going to finish and all of that like it was just down that path of like you'll get to do that eventually let's focus on me kind of a thing and so we
0: kept going down that path. it wasn't that kind of a thing I'm going to say it it was focus on me thing yeah 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 I mean I mean Again, this is your ex-spouse, the father of six of your children. Yeah. But I I also know him. So I know what, I know what, you know, what he was projecting to the world, what he was saying to others. It was two different things. Yeah. He was saying we
1: were rich and we had all this money and all abundance.
0: And the reality was we were starving at home. Right. Um, And he didn't want you working because that made him look like maybe he wasn't as rich. But he was also saying, "Stay focused on me." And uh, as far as I know,
1: I, I can't know exactly what was the logic. Well, I know what it, was but... told me by him. Oh, okay, <laughs> there
0: we go. Yeah, you know, there's, there's there that. There's yeah. that. I originally was his friend. Yeah, and and anyone who's listening, you can know that if you cheat on your spouse, you're no longer my friend because if you don't have integrity. I don't want friends who don't have integrity. And so, you know, I ended up choosing you, who I only knew because I don't like to friend men on social media or be friends with people and not have a connection to their wife because I believe in protecting and honoring marriages, my own and others included. Which is so
1: critical. And it's also so critical to include forgiveness in there because we can have. We can set those firm boundaries to keep ourselves safe, but also forgiveness, so we can move forward, which I've found to be so incredibly powerful. And it's taken me so long. Our dear friend, Dr. Paul, yes, literally saved mine and our the six children's lives. Well, forgiveness is
0: a releasing of people, yeah. you know, no longer being connected. It doesn't mean we, you know, obviously you have to interact with an ex-spouse or you do. Uh, you know, family to a certain extent, but, you know, you're get free. You still
1: have it. those boundaries.
0: Yeah. You still have still boundaries free. and, um, the relationship isn't always the same as it was and that's okay. It's it's absolutely okay.
1: Um, and it takes so much time to release that. Um, going into, I know we're going off topic a little bit here. We'll, we'll go back to those. You, yeah. You've talked so much like in your book, um, love me too. Um, about letting them go letting people knowing what they did was totally wrong knowing what that they're probably never going to be forgiven but you can still have
0: your boundaries you repentant is the word you're they're never going to be accountable or repentant you know that's and that's not where we wait for people to um you know we get to release them to the wild forgive them not yes. dependent upon if they're repentant or not but only if they're repentant or accountable do they get to come closer to you exactly trust and, and accountability and forgiveness they're all yes different they're you know and
1: something interesting is through the years my relationship with my former spouse have has gotten a little bit easier i'm not saying it's perfect by any means but there is a point of repent like and again it's not the full repentance but there's a mutual like understanding of like okay you're not going to cross this bound i'm not going to cross that boundary and we can be cordial and nice and get along for the kids and do the things that are best hopefully for them
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well you've from what i've seen of your children you're doing an excellent job your your oldest uh took my daughter out on a date and he did. literally held her shoes and held her dress and it was like, I think her second date, it kind of ruined her a little bit. So I've got a little bit of a complaint there because she expects all boys to treat her with that respect. And I'm making a joke because I am appreciative of that. Appreciative, And of it's,
1: it's a beautiful thing to see that. And it's not in all of the boys yet we're working on. Them. <laughs> There's a lot to train into them that way.
0: And some with my
1: oldest, that's just in him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and you know, I, when people always say, "Oh, Lita, your kids are so good," I always say, "I'm thankful I have kids that listen." Yeah, but you know, ultimately, how we turn out, which is such a, which is such a terrible phrase because we're never done. You know, I'm no, going to be fifty this next September, and I'm like, I'm halfway mark, and I think there's certain things that I I would say I'm definitely mature and a a, a fine machine on, but yeah. there are other things that I'm like still refining, still working. And give me another million years. I think I'll get these down. <laughs> I remember um,
1: Gordon B. Hinckley. He was a prophet in our church, but he um, he would always say he wasn't even done yet, and he was in, in
0: his nineties. Right. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's like, a great example. If he's of not humility. done yet.
1: We have a lot
0: to Right. I mean, a man that that lived and served and gave, and you know, if you if you believe him to be a prophet of God or not he lived an immaculate life of service and kindness to others. And
1: And his wife is hilarious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, Marjorie Pay Hinkley, is probably one of my favorites because she would, she just had such a, you know, going back to what we were talking about. She um, was somebody who was in the home and enabled her husband to do amazing things of service and spent many nights, I'm sure alone while he was out. Helping whatever neighbor or doing whatever church thing he was doing and did it with humor and resilience and yes. joy.
1: One, one of my absolute favorite Marjorie, um, speaking of her, she, some of her stories, just when I was going through that difficult marriage, like she would talk how in their first year of marriage, she cried almost every night <laughs> as they were learning each other and they were getting to know each other. And that gave me that like, okay, things can get better. I can push through this because look at them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, like, well. It
1: didn't end the same way for us. But now, now I do have my Prince Charming. I have, I have that happily ever after with my spouse, but not that it's all even, I mean, easy. We have 12 children. There's so much trauma with each one, but we have that companionship. Um you had done a beautiful post the other day about about your your dear husband. Yeah. And just how you guys work together and how you have been free to do and pursue what you felt was right. Um
0: well the you thing guys... that we're talking about really and I'm sorry I got excited, you know, cutting mm-hmm. you off, but mm-hmm. you set this up so beautifully is in your first marriage it was about him. Yeah and eventually you could not serve and love and sacrifice enough yes. that he stepped out of that marriage and yes, he did. marriage vows and uh, i guess it's kind of old time you know way of saying it but i'm trying to be yeah. delicate and yeah. there you there was not enough dedication you could give to that role yeah. of being in the home versus being a single mom and having it be all about figuring out how to take care of your six kids yes Because, again, um, he stepped out when you were pregnant with your child. So you have to balance being a mother and a newborn, you know, really hard things. Went back to school, uh, working. There is no time for Lindsay in all of this. But you held your family together. Then you find your Prince Charming. And the reason it's different, the reason it works is versus when you were in a partnership where both people are focused on each other it works. And it has to be a lack of selfishness. Yes. And it take you one individual cannot love the other person enough. Yes. Both, both people have to step in not 50, 50. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Or maybe you even 110%, you know, cause yeah. All you know, all in. Yeah. You've got to be waking up in the morning and how can I make their day better? Exactly. Exactly.
1: How can I help? How can I make lighten your load? And it's a beautiful difference. The, the appreciation I have for my current husband um, is, is, I can't even put it into words. There's, all, there's a million little things that happen in a day that I'm like, oh, my word. Um, the three roles I love ab- about men. And again, we don't value men in their roles enough now. But it's to preside, provide, and protect. And those three roles are so amazing. And sometimes we share those roles. We need to. And the women's women primarily for nurture and care of children. That being said, we can switch. We, but we're a team in this. And I don't believe we would have the issues we have in our world right now. If we got back to those basics. And it's again, not that a woman can't do whatever she wants to do and it's not that a man has to be submissive to his wife and and act like he is not good enough uh, we are in this together um through and through and the beauty um to see the security we had one child together um her cute little almost two-year-old two-year-old next month um the security that she has is different than all of our other children because of our previous relationships, it it brought up a lot of trauma for each one. And so they they Your each have that trauma.
0: The the ex-spouses and yeah. their different approach or parenting style. Or no, the relation, even for, just the relationship
1: yeah. with us when we were married to them. Like my husband and I, when we were married to our former spouses the marriages weren't that supportive, loving. And it's not like we weren't trying, but there was selfishness in that. And be it for whatever reason, abuse, neglect, the generational trauma that came with all of us. But when you don't treat it, when you face it, and you deal with it together, um, and you have that common goal, And you each have those roles, whatever you decide those roles are, um, it's a beautiful thing that you can't replace in any other way. And the security that that forms in children and the confidence that forms in children, because I know you were raised and I was raised from very difficult childhoods where, I mean, everyone has trauma, but there's some that are, there's some extra things that come up. And we have to work, we have to work on ourselves all the more to build that confidence that when you have a secure attachment to parents that you don't need to do because it's there. It's ingrained in you.
0: Yeah. Um, and you, you brought up, you know, your parents experienced divorce. Your mother had some mental health, health issues. And I wonder you know, it's it's probably too long a conversation, but it's an interesting question of how our earlier traumas yeah. build into us trying to prevent what is inevitable, like a divorce. Yeah. You know, this, yeah. this marriage was going to end, but at what yeah. point did the little girl and Lindsay go? I will not get, do to my children what was done to me. So interestingly enough, um,
1: I I fought for the marriage tooth and nail um, up until. He was done, and he was not in a good place, and at a certain point, he declared he was out,
0: and it was you know a Saturday because he had someone else he wanted to go be with, and yeah he'd already um and, and you know the, in our religion, having sex outside of your marriage is no it's, it's not pretty, yeah it's it's a no, it's a no, you know it's no. Um, but it's um it's a I, I mean, it, you know, like, um, um, Muslim or Jewish, you know, very, it's, very. it's, it's not, there's no room for flexibility on this, you know? No. And so I've had people tell me I'm a little judgmental about it. And I'm like, but it's not just having sex. It's it, the thousand hundred little steps moving up to it. And yeah. I ended up, you know, telling you how I'd seen him in public with her and was like, wait a minute. He's married, and that body language is not okay. Yeah. And so it's not just one day, like it's a Hollywood movie, people just fall into bed and they can't help themselves. Like, oh my crap, you know, I ran the stoplight. (laughs) Yeah. What happened? You know,
1: it's no, there were the thoughts. So many signs, right? And leading up to it, even hairs left on towels for me to find. And I found them. And I knew doing this. Okay.
0: Okay. okay. they were They're doing this at your house
1: yeah well no they would oh. do it places that were dear to me that I hold very dear that um I would build up in the community um, I had places I would serve and they would go places like that but then hairs would be brought home and draped like on the towel obviously for me to find oh she wanted you to find them I don't know
0: um I'm not entirely I, sure. having having known her and, and how she liked to put people down, that is going to be my guess.
1: But you know? yeah, but obviously, hurt people hurt people,
0: right. And, and so you're, they, you're much more gracious than I am because I am. yeah, you are, and that's good, and I respect that. and um yeah i want I want the listener to hear that. yeah, and i I fully admit that I'm like, this is unacceptable behavior.
1: You know, (laughs) but the good thing is that they can put those things behind them though too. Um and they they have each other now, and that's and that's okay. And that's I it was probably in a twisted way the most the least selfish thing done was when he left. Um and I and I say that and I in the moment like Dr. Mm. Paul had said that.
0: and it it like because it freed you up to have even though it was incredibly difficult to have six kids and uh, little to no financial support yeah um it freed you up to have the life you have now it is and it freed us up to heal
1: where we wouldn't have been able to fully heal because we were continually in that process and that cycle of of the narcissism, neglect, mm-hmm. abuse. Um, and so it was so much better when he was gone and there was peace in the home. Um, it was the oldest. My my dear friend, um, Lynn, came down after I had um, the sixth child. And she stayed with me for two and a half months while we were going through the divorce hearing. Like, we didn't have hearings. We had mediation. And she was there to support me. And we were sitting at dinner one day and all of a sudden my oldest pauses and he looks around and he goes, it's a lot less. And he just paused violent in our home. Hmm. And it's not that we were beaten. It's not that there was hitting, but there was a, there was, it was an air that was in the home all the time. And it was um, it was an eye opening thing to see that that was something that the youngest you know he was barely twelve at the time though he was the oldest at the time but he, he was so young and he he could identify that um, and it was it was eye opening to see that there was peace and we had so much peace Our, we had this amazing support system in that neighborhood um, family, friends, and you, like, we had an amazing support system. And I wish every single parent that goes through a divorce would have, um, on any side that they're on, um, we would all do better with love and support. Like that community gave to us because we did, we didn't do without, um, there were people willing to step in and love and, and run errands and support like nothing else. Like I can't compare that,
0: um, to any, anything. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. And they were supporting you in, in a time where if they, if they didn't, you know, the consequences for your family could have been disastrous, which brings me back to the post and what I loved about it because you made a comparison. You shared that quote from, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and read it if it's all right. Absolutely. It says, when, and it's by Neil and Maxwell. When the real history of mankind is fully disclosed, will it feature the echoes of gunfire or the shaping sound of lullabies? The great armistice made by military men or the peacekeeping of women and homes and in neighborhoods, which made me think about what your neighbors were doing for you, you know, Will, um, will what happened in the cradles and kitchens prove to be more controlling than what happens in Congress? When the surf of the centuries has made the greatest pyramids, so much sand, the everlasting family will still be standing because it is a celestial or heavenly um, institution formed outside the celestial time. The women of God know this. And it's so powerful because in order for that neighbor to serve you, there had to be a little bit of flexibility of time. Yes. You know, if you're working like many men are at a job that they have to be at their desks from, you know, eight thirty or whatever to you know yeah. 7 p.m. at night, um, it another man who is protecting and providing freed up his wife to have a little bit of flexibility. That while she's doing the errands for her family. She could do help you with errands. Yeah, and, and that it, was like even, this ripple of service made yeah. possible by. A man that is quietly doing his life and a woman who's quietly doing her life, their goodness can ripple outside of the home, as can the ill effects.
1: Or even more so, even families that they both work, but because they both work, they're balancing and supporting each other. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is that support of one another. Like there is a ripple when we're free at home. Like you've curved your whole your everything you do around your home life, which is amazing and beautiful and a standard. You haven't let go of anything that, um, you wanted to do, or you felt prompted to do because the
0: the truth is, you know, what I originally set out to do was be a sign language interpreter. And I love that too, you know, and, but (laughs) I figured out when I had my son, It was interesting because I had this moment where we had moved to New Hampshire and I'd had several miscarriages. I'd had five actually. Um, And I had the paperwork all filled out with a check, which was a lot of money to us. It was like $300 to go and take the certification test for American Sign Language in New Hampshire. And I knew I was going to pass it. Like, not a problem, Mm -hmm. right? I had been in D.C. and actually been accepted into the Harvard of the deaf world to Gallaudet, kind of a little claim to fame for myself, right? But anyway, so I'm gonna pass this test. So I'm not afraid of the test. And I have this feeling that I am not to submit this paperwork and spend this check to take this test. And pregnancy had long stopped meaning baby to me because this is my sixth pregnancy. And I had this really strong feeling not to do this. And I had this image of what would it look like? Like I could see myself signing and how would I be holding my baby? Okay. And I was like, God, are you, are you saying that this baby's going to come? Like I'm actually going to get this baby. And I was four months pregnant, but I had lost two at that point. And I had an appointment a couple of weeks from then and found out that my son was indeed Bible and his name means gift of God. But I made a conscious decision to not be a sign language interpreter, which had been my dream yeah. to, uh, to almost abandon that dream for the sake of being able to be the mom that I wanted to my son yeah. and trying to figure out how to sell makeup for a living in a state, New Hampshire, where they don't really wear makeup, but that was my other skill. That was my other thing that I was good at was being a makeup artist. And I figured it out because my determination to be, to not put my kid in daycare, not judging women who do that at all. But for me, where there's a will, there's a way. And my Hmm. will was to be home with my kid and to fight for that role, yeah. Of being the primary caretaker of my caretaker of my son. So I taught beauty school classes with him and a papoose, you know, a little backpack. Yeah. I passed him around. Um, you know, my clients for makeovers, I'd be like, come at 10 or two. I could do two a day during his yeah. nap time. Yeah. And so please be on time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because my son at the time slept like a little time soldier. He was up at 5 a.m. He took a nap at 10. It was about an hour yeah another nap at two, and he went to bed at eight. yeah, so you knew exactly what you ha- could do. yeah, my daughter Elsa, there was no such planning <laughs> none of that. but you know, I do think that that was literally a blessing that allowed me to provide for my family, which my husband was a full-time student in law school and but you have to fight for that role. you, you had to fight for the role to be home with your kids, yes,
1: um soon
0: after I became a single parent, it took a
1: little time to adjust. And once um, my, you know, the number six was born, beautiful, beautiful little girl. Um, So sweet, so pure. Um, When she was almost a year old, I started a daycare in my home. Because I remember, you know, you have those prayers when you're out loud wrestling with the Lord. And it, it was like, him saying listen you you want to be home with your children especially through this time where they're adjusting to a divorce and this will allow you that and it will also prepare you for the future and I was like I already have six kids you want me to take in more children and (laughs) like as a single parent you want me to do this and it was yes it you'll be glad you did (laughs) And it will allow you to be home. And so that's where I did. And it allowed me to stay home. It allowed me to finish my
0: degree um, online through. But you were doing that at like, you were teaching classes at like 4 a.m. in the morning. right? That
1: one was a very short-lived. I I was doing daycare and that because either one, I I really wasn't making it still. (laughs) Yeah, I was still getting a lot of help from places because there just wasn't enough um but um we always had what we needed um it wasn't glamorous but it was beautiful and we had each other and the kids had me um as they needed through that traumatic time of that adjustment and it helped prepare me for (laughs) the future when I met my my current husband it was funny. The first date we went out and we got along so well and we're like, but you have five and I have six and we'll just be good friends. Cause <laughs> yeah. that's crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 11 kids. That's just insane. That's Even just in Utah, insane. that's crazy. <laughs>
1: <Right>? <laughs> we're like, that's just crazy. And then yeah.
0: Heavenly father knew I needed that training. Well, you know um, I think it's so, it's a very interesting discussion about the happiness of home yeah. and um because you know anyone who had a mother who wasn't able to be there or a father who wasn't able to be there knows the whole of that that le- lives leaves absolutely somebody and I love how you've chosen to look at the arch of this experience with you know your own childhood traumas to the marriage traumas to literally be in a place where you notice the million little things that your husband does yeah. Right? And it's interesting that if you hadn't gone through those earlier experiences, yeah, would you be the same person that could appreciate him as much as you do? I have wondered that because I see often
1: spouses take each other for granted so frequently, um, when they don't realize the love that they're trying to pour out to you. And they're going to nitpick and, Oh, it's not my way. I want this love this way. And and there's a point where you talk about that, but seeing those little things, taking a step back and performing those little things for your spouse, you can turn any marriage around.
0: Yeah. 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 That's I, I, uh, um, I, I remember starting, I'm not remembering the exact circumstances. Um, but, um, one that has been on this podcast is Christine Laval. She shared how her husband was cheating and they actually were able to turn their marriage around and be happy.
1: Which but is it a beautiful
0: was, thing. And so, you know, listeners can go and listen to that, but it was all about choosing to not be selfish, choosing to have some faith in the character of the other person. Yeah. And, but, you know, he was repentant. He did you know, take accountability for what he did. They just need to go, oh, okay, that was a weird blip. Right. Yeah. And you know, those elements for trust are, are needed, you know, Absolutely. but, um, the, the concept that, um, somebody who's unselfish enough to care for a child, yeah, that that's not an important thing because, you know, um, I imagine Hitler had a complicated relationship with his parents, right? <laughs> You know, I mean, his mother was Jewish, Um, you know, but, you know, hurt people, hurt people like you've already said and has been said. Yeah. And if, if we prioritize the ideal of two people who are committed to each other yes. and therefore committed to their children, yes, families are the foundation of society, truly throughout truly, every culture, throughout all of time. It's and just when so the, happened. This unit has worked and I'm open-minded enough to be like, it's two men. I don't care. Just be devoted to each other and give yes. your kids that security that you are there for them.
1: The, you need those roles there. You right. need the divinity of two people all in, um, that security is yeah. there. That love is there. Um, The breakdown of the family. Historically, you go through the whole history of the world. When the families break down, when morality breaks down, it all falls apart.
0: You know, and morality is such a, you know, a touchy subject because, you know, who's to define exactly what is moral? But, you know, a a basic idea is if you know that you have to lie about it, it's immoral.
1: It's immoral. Exactly. You know, if
0: you are not proud enough to put it out there. And of course, somebody like, well, I don't have a problem sharing that I did X, Y, and Z. I'm like, okay. Okay. But then at least people can know what they're getting into in being right. connected with you. Exactly. So I always tell my kids, don't pick their friend, your friends, because they're like you. Yeah. Pick your friends because they have enough integrity to be honest about who they are. Exactly. And, you know, I've had many circumstances in my life where, you know, my, my religion has, you know, we don't, we don't drink and where coworker friends of mine would help defend it when other people would give me crap that drink themselves, but they're standing up for my integrity because they know that this is who I am. And I would do the same for them. You know, I don't violate the vegetarian friends ethos and feed her kids meat, you know, exactly. Yeah, but you mentioned earlier about taking for granted. I am acquainted with two people, and I won't say the names for their privacy. That I know very well. Yeah, and they're these two men. One makes probably about thirty thousand a year. The other one makes over a hundred thousand a year. And both the wives felt like they didn't make enough money. What? <laughs> right. So maybe with a thirty thousand a year guy, you could say that. You know. Yes. But the wife happens to have a master's degree. He happens to only have a high school degree. So if, as a team, if they went, okay, you do your job while the kids are in school. And then you come, you know, and we have the kids in daycare and I work too. Or figuring out some way to make this work better. Or even doing a role swap where she works, he's in the Mm -hmm. home. You know, something like that. Figuring out how to make that team work. Instead of what it led to an ugly, ugly divorce. And ironically, he's making more money, not being married to someone who's nitpicking on him, hmm, right? It's- you know, and then the other one, um, where she decided to have an affair with someone else that, pre- that projects himself to make lots of money, but come to find out he's 17 grand behind on child support. So I joke before you have an affair, um, double check his bank account, <laughs> right? you know like maybe investigating the character and um but the thing is both of these indivi- both of these men are literally some of the kindest people i know and what they're guilty of i think um you know at the core was being okay with being taken for granted yeah that they were like well they looked at their own discrepancies They looked at, you know, their things. And I look at, I've been looking at these situations because it's happened over about a four-year period that I've been kind of had a front row seat. And I think about my own marriage with my husband and he's a type A who's good at math. And I'm, you know, an extrovert who is not good at this, any of the same skill sets. We are, we don't have the same hobbies. We don't have the same, anything, you know, except a common eternal goals. Um, And the, if he says something that hurts my feelings or I say something that hurts his feelings, we are both free to correct each other. Which is
1: huge when you can take that correction and give that correction. um... But
0: if I got to a point where I said, Oh, it's okay with him downing me because he makes more money or whatever. Yeah. That eventually is going to lead to, you know, we treat, treat, we teach other people how to treat us. And so if we allow ourselves to be disrespected, if we're aware of it or not, it's going to lead to them thinking they are free to disrespect Mm -hmm. us and keeping the marriage, keeping the relationship current. When you said this, did you mean X, Y, and Z? Yes.
1: And And that takes a lot of training, especially when you were raised to just be quiet and take it. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it takes
0: a lot of retraining in
1: your brain, but it's yeah. doable. It's absolutely doable.
0: And I, I love that you said that because I the girl, the woman that I knew initially who was afraid to speak up for herself. Yeah. Woman now who is full of gratitude because of the challenges you've been through and grace for the individuals that gave you those painful experiences. Yes. Um, you you remind me to be more gracious. Thank you, Lindsay. You're welcome. Thank you, Lita. Yeah.
1: I just wanted to wanted to end with one quote from Mother Teresa, where she says, if you want to bring happiness to the whole world, go home and love your family. And I just love that one.
0: Amen. I I totally believe the value of mothers and fathers. And um, you know, to give a child a healthy platform where they know despite life's challenges and hardships, that they are loved no matter what. Um, not going to be enabled no matter what, but loved no matter what, is That doesn't created. mean they don't work outside the home or have goals outside the home. Right. But, but the ultimate goal is the family. As I've said to my kids, I'll never bail you out of jail. I'll make you pay the consequences for that, but I will come and visit you. Yeah, <laughs> I will love you. And that's never been yeah. a, a thing with my kids, you know, knock on wood and everything, but that love does not mean we allow ourselves to be ripped apart. Exactly. And, but to give another human soul that is our greatest gift to the world. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Thank you, Lita.
0: Oh, my heavens. Thank you, my friend. And thank you for sharing and letting me uh <laughs> be poopy about your your ex. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. It's a hard and correcting was... me to be gracious. So thank you. No, it's yes. yeah. So let's go ahead and do a, a close. Okay. Thank you, my friend Lindsay, for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness with Lita Green and my guest today, Lindsay Jones.
1: Thank you so much, Lita, for having me on. This was great.